How many of you ever played a game called Two Truths and a Lie? You ever heard of that game before, Two Truths and a Lie? Um, my son, he, he's, he's seven. He came home this week with this book from school called Two Truths and a Lie. And it's about animals and it's got facts and things about it. But um, it reminded me of this game we used to play when I was a youth pastor and a children's minister. We used to, we used to do this game with, with groups and it was called Two Truths and, and a Lie. Uh, when I worked in children's ministry, we called it facts or fiction because we didn't want to encourage lying in elementary school kids. So we kind of changed the name around a little bit. But uh, but anyways, the way that you play tr two truths and a lie is you come up with three things about yourself uh, to share with, with the group or to tell someone else. And, and out of those three things, two things are true and one of them is not. You get it? You want to play? Good. All right. Uh, here we go. Um, I was going to make y'all like get in groups and stuff, but we won't do that this morning. It'll take too long. Um, you, you can play afterwards if you want to, okay? Uh, but I'm going to give you three things about me, two of them are true, and one of them is false, okay? And I want to see if you, I'll let you raise your hand in just a minute, and you can tell me which ones you think are the two truths and which one is the lie, okay? You ready? Here we go. Number one, I was the ping pong champion at Central Middle School in 1989. That's number one. Number two, I got kicked out of my high school English class at Oakland High School in 1994, and number three, I was president of my fraternity at MTSU in 1999. Okay, so those are three facts. Two of them are true, and one of them is false. Okay, I want you to raise your hand on about the one that you think is false. Ready? I'm going to do them one more time. Raise your hand if you think that the lie is I was ping pong champion in middle school, 1989. Anybody? Okay, you guys have obviously never seen me play ping pong because that one is absolutely true. I've got the blue ribbon at home to show it to you. Um, all right, number two, I was kicked out of my high school English class. Oakland, anybody who, who believes that? Y'all think that that could happen to your pastor that has never done anything wrong in his whole life? Um, that one actually is true. Uh, I was... I was asked to leave my high school English class, and uh, many years later, a after I had been to the altar many times, Sean, um, I went back and apologized to my English teacher, and we reconciled, but that was, that was not a good day for me. Um, and then, so the last one, number three, I was the president of my fraternity at MTSU. Okay, yep, see, that one was not true. I was actually in a fraternity at MTSU, uh, but in 1999, I was the chaplain, so. <laughs> so... Uh, well, thanks for playing that with me. That game is lots of fun. We have lots of fun with that. Uh, and, and the reason why you play, it's mostly just to have fun, right? Uh, but you also get to know a little bit about people that way. It's an easy kind of icebreaker for you to get to know folks. Um, but today, the reason why I wanted to play it with you today, the purpose of, of, of talking about that today is to kind of introduce this fifth and final contagious faith style that we're going to talk about today that goes along with our series of, of sharing our faith. As I mentioned uh, we're doing this series right now called Shape to Share. This is week number six, and so for the sixth time, you get to hear uh, my phrase. Some of you could probably repeat it with me of, of what the big idea of this series is. The big idea of the series uh, is that God has uniquely created and called and commissioned you to share your faith with others in ways that are uniquely you. 
And the reason why we keep saying it like that because, is because it's so central to who we are and who we're called to be. Just like this passage of scripture that we looked at every week, 1 Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. I hope that that passage of scripture has has planted seeds in your heart and mind as well. Because the truth of the matter is, the good news is, just like we're shaped to serve, we're shaped to share. Because although we're, we're all so unique and we're so different, it's the same God that's at work in us, and it's the same God that wants to work through us. And what we're continuing to, to discover over the, the last few weeks together as we look into this series and we practice this idea of sharing our faith is that when we're doing that, not only individually, but, but corporately as a, as a community, when we do that, when we share our faith, not only are we sharing the good news of eternal life that's ours in and through Jesus Christ, we're actually living into the abundant life that, that God offers us in Christ. And when we're doing that together, when we decide to do that together, we're living into the mission, the vision that God has given us as a church which is sharing life together in Christ. And the reason why that's all so important and the reason why when we do that, it's, it's life-giving to us and life-giving to those around us is because that's exactly what God has created and called and commissioned us to do. Amen? I don't know that you're convinced yet. I'm going to keep going. Um, so we've been looking at the book, right? We've been looking at this book, Contagious Faith. The author, Mark Middleberg, has these five contagious faith styles. Uh, some of you, if you've been here every week, you can probably name them with me, but I'm going to go over them one more time. Uh, the five contagious faith styles, friendship building, selfless serving, story sharing, reason giving, and then finally, truth telling. And that's what today's lesson is about. It's about the contagious faith style of truth telling. And so to get us started each week, I've usually given a question just to throw out for you to think about. And the question that I want you to consider today is this. Who do you know that has the gift of truth-telling? Maybe not just in matters of faith, but, but who do you know that you would say that person is a truth-teller? Maybe, maybe that person is you. But we're very blessed and thankful to have those truth-tellers in our lives, right? They're those people in our lives that we can count on to be bold and direct. Uh, because of truth-tellers, you don't ever have to wonder if you've got something in your nose because a truth-teller is going to tell you the truth, right? Uh, you don't ever have to wonder if they've got something on their mind because they're going to tell you and they're going to tell you the truth. Uh, you don't ever have to worry about where you stand with that person because if there's a problem, they're going to tell you the truth. There's something comforting and, and freeing in there, knowing that, that somebody's not going to talk about you, they're going to talk to you, right? Those are the, the truth tellers. In, in conversations and in relationships, they're not playing games, especially not two truths and lie, right? They're truth tellers. There's something about truth telling that that builds trust and, and confidence and faith in those relationships that are grounded in the truth. So thanks be to God for our truth tellers. And that's what I want to talk about today because in some ways... 
that's the essence of, of what this contagious faith style is all about. Truth-telling is, is what the gospel is all about. It's the power of, of God's grace in and through Jesus Christ. And that's the, the truth that our lives and our life together is built on. One of the main things we've talked about as well throughout the course of this series is that when we're practicing these different styles of sharing our faith, not only do we learn more about ourselves and, and, and those around us, but, but we learn more about the God who created and called and commissioned us. And when we learn more about God, we, we can't help but grow in his grace. We, we can't help but as we, as we learn and grow and respond to God's grace in our life, we can't help but become a little more and more like Jesus, because what we've talked about as well over the past few weeks is that one of the greatest lessons of this series, one of the greatest lessons of the scriptures is that Jesus is all of these things and more. These contagious faith styles were central to Jesus's life and ministry on earth, and they can be central to ours as well as followers of Jesus Christ, as the church, as brothers and sisters as members of the body of Christ. And so today we're going to look at a lot of scriptures uh, because the Bible teaches us over and over again Jesus was the ultimate truth teller. But specifically I want, to, I want to focus in on the gospel of John because in John specifically there's some great examples of how Jesus not only understood truth but, but how he communicated it to others and how he embodied and embodies truth for us. See, Jesus made some pretty bold and direct statements, especially to some of the religious leaders that questioned him, but also to those who were called by him, the disciples, and those who, who called out to him for help, the people who came to him in need. Jesus always spoke the truth. In fact, there are 24 places in the Gospel of John where Jesus uses this phrase, I tell you the truth. And I want to lift those up and just point them out to you today. I'm not going to go through all 24 of them, but, but I want to show you this pattern that points to Jesus as a powerful example of truth-telling. Okay, you ready? Let's dig in. The first one's found at the beginning of John's gospel where we find Jesus talking to a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. Uh, Nicodemus is one of the most revered religious leaders in his community, but he comes to Jesus and he comes to him asking questions and seeking answers. And Jesus responds to him like this. In John chapter 3, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You are a respected Jewish teacher, yet you don't understand these things. It's pretty bold, pretty direct right? He's questioned later by some other Pharisees and teachers of the law. And so again, in John chapter 5, Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He only sees what he only does what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but, but the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Tell us how you really feel, Jesus, right? Sometimes we think about Jesus as meek and mild, right? But Jesus was bold and direct, especially when it came to the truth. But Jesus wasn't just a truth teller to those who challenged him. He was also a truth teller 
to those who followed him. In fact, I believe that it was Jesus' commitment to telling it like it is that's what drew people to Jesus, especially those who devoted their lives to him as, their, as his disciples. There are a couple of instances in the Gospel of John where, where his disciples questioned him and, and his mission and, and what's happening. And so uh, in John chapter 16, Jesus says again, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. See, Jesus had this amazing way of, of speaking the truth in a way that challenged, but it also encouraged. Uh, it lifted them up. Uh, there was another place in John's gospel where the disciples were questioning themselves and, and would they be able to, 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 do, to have what it takes once Jesus went away. And, and he says again, John chapter 14, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Jesus had this way of telling the truth that, that challenged, that encouraged, that inspired, that gave people not just what they wanted to hear, but exactly what they needed to hear. And then finally, Jesus wasn't just a truth teller to those who, who challenged him, to those who, who were called to him. Jesus was a truth teller to those who, who called out to him, who, who came to him in need, seeking something, not always knowing what that was, but, but crowds were drawn to Jesus, right? And he spoke the truth to them. One of the greatest examples of this is when Jesus addresses this crowd that, that came to hear him preach. We know the story as the, the feeding of the 5,000. Listen to this. This is from John chapter 6. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But, but Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be, th never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, the truth that Jesus shared, it always pointed to him. Because as he says later, and we're going to look at that passage too, Jesus is the truth, right? He is the way. He is the life. Jesus knew what to say and how to say it in such a way that it wasn't just a pointed statement. It was a statement that pointed to who he is and what life in him looks like. Sometimes it was countercultural. Sometimes it was counterintuitive. But, but Jesus' words of truth were always transformational for those who received it and responded to it. John chapter 8, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching." And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. See, Jesus came 
to set us free. And he came to do that as the way and the truth and the life. See, this is the secret of Jesus' truth-telling and the secret of, of us living into this idea of, of this particular contagious faith style. Jesus' words and actions, they were covered in, in love, they were seasoned with grace and peace, but they were always grounded in the truth, the truth of the gospel. The most real thing in the world is God's love for us that gives us what we need to love one another. That's why Paul describes what following Jesus' example looks like in the church. He says this to the church in Ephesus. He says, we will speak the truth in love, growing more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. We sing, build your church today, right? And then the church is built on that proclamation that Jesus is the Christ and that we are the church. And as we allow the truth in love to build and grow in us and as we speak the truth in love to those around us, we are growing into the people, into the body, into the church that Christ has called us to be. And so, so it's important for us to understand this particular aspect of, of Jesus's life and ministry and, and this particular aspect of, of our life and ministry as, as followers of Christ, as the church, as it has to do with truth-telling. See, Jesus, there were times that Jesus shared with, with gentleness and compassion. There were times that Jesus shared uh, with open-ended questions and stories, but, but there were definitely times that Jesus shared with boldness and directness that got straight to the point and pointed straight to the tr truth, and he calls us to do the same to meet people where they are and tell them not just what they want to hear, but what they need to hear in such a way that it points them to the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. I want to leave you with this today. This is, um, we've kind of ended each, each lesson with what the book calls Key Skills for Every Christian. It's kind of a, a, an application point for you to have some next steps to think about, things that you can do uh, to find out what truth-telling might look like in your life and in your relationships. And so I've kind of tweaked them a little bit each week to, to fit us uh, a little more uh, specifically. So I've got three Bs for you uh, in closing today. The first one is be bold. Um, when we're sharing our faith, when we're telling the truth, the Bible teaches us to be bold. Uh, now, I think it's important for us to remember that there's a difference between being bold and being brash, right? <laughs> Just like we talked about last week, you can be right and you can still be wrong if you're not speaking the truth in love. That's why I think that phrase is so important. And, and, and parts of that phrase, as, as small and short and simple as it is, I think different ones of us struggle with different parts of that, right? Some of us are really good at speaking the truth, but we need to grow in that area of in love, right? <laughs> and, and some of us are in that place where it's easy for us to, to speak in love, but, but it's a little bit harder for us. We need to grow in that area of, of speaking the truth, right? Um, and what, what God's word is teaching us is those are, those are inseparable, right? We have to speak the truth in love. And because none of us are, are perfect, because none of us are 
have arrived yet. We're all growing in that way. Uh, the truth of the matter is, wherever we are in this, we need God's help, right? We need God's help to speak the truth in love. When we do that in our own strength, we usually don't do a very good job of it. And so, so one of the counterintuitive, countercultural truths of the gospel is that true boldness begins with prayer. Because true boldness begins with God. Uh, we need to remember the boldness of the followers of Jesus that we find praying in the book of Acts in response to, to persecution. When, when the, the church is under attack in the New Testament, John and, and Peter have been arrested. There's a story where the disciples where the disciples and the church, uh, before they respond, before they do anything, they gather together and they pray, and their prayer is this. Now, Lord, Acts 4, 19. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And then they go from that place. They step out in faith, and they tell the, the truth of their faith with boldness. But they prayed that God would give them boldness. It wasn't their boldness. It was God's boldness. Boldness to speak not their words, but God's words, right? See, this lesson here is when it comes to truth-telling, there are definitely times that God calls us uh, to be bold in telling the truth, even in the face of persecution. But if our boldness is not bathed in prayer, then we run the risk of moving beyond boldness to being a bully, <laughs> In the name of Jesus. And that's not what we're called to do or be. We're called to do what? Speak the truth in love. So we need to be bold, but we also need to beware. <laughs> that brings me to number two. The second one is, is similar to the first one. Be bold, but also be direct. The Apostle Paul is a great example of this in the New Testament. He spoke the truth of the gospel in very direct ways. Um, because he was convinced that it had power to transform people. Do you remember uh, in Romans chapter 1, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes it. First to the Jew and then the Gentile. And then he talks to his, his student in the Lord, Timothy, and he says, for the spirit God gave us doesn't make us timid, but it gives us power and love and self-discipline. See, the reason why I think Paul's able to, to be so direct in his teaching, so direct in his encouragement of Timothy is because he has seen how the truth had changed the direction of his life and he was convinced that the truth had the power to change the direction of the lives of everyone that it came into contact with. And so he spoke directly and he spoke boldly about this truth that he had seen and that was a part of his life as well. He was speaking with firsthand knowledge. And that brings me to the last one today. Be bold, be direct. Number three, be honest. In order to tell the truth as part of sharing our faith with others, we have to be honest about how the truth impacts our faith, right? One of the phrases we, we started this series with was this, we can't share what we don't have, right? So in order to be honest with people, we have to be honest with ourselves and honest with God about how much we actually believe the truth of the gospel. That it is truly the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. That it's truly the truth that has the power to set us free. Do we believe that? Friends, I believe that if we really believe that the truth will set us free and the truth will set others free, I believe the truth of that belief 
would, would set us free to share our faith with others in a way that, that's bold and direct, but also with gentleness and respect, in ways that, that stretch us outside of our comfort zone, but also in ways that reflect how God has uniquely created and called and commissioned us to speak the truth in love. And when we're doing that with one another and with those around us, then we're sharing life and faith with others in the way that God has called us to. We are, we are expressing that vision of sharing life together in Christ. Are you with me? Let's do it. Amen? All right, let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your word and your spirit that speaks to us and speaks through us. God, uh, we thank you for your word today that that it would take root in our hearts and minds, that it would bear fruit in our lives and in our life together for your kingdom. Lord, we thank you that not only did Jesus come and, and show us the way, not only did Jesus come and speak the truth, not only did, did Jesus come and point to what life really looks like and what life is really about, that he came and showed us that, that he is the way and the truth and the life, that we can experience all that through a relationship with him. And so, God, I pray today that, that we would just be so grateful and so thankful for that truth. And that, Lord, we would respond to it today in whatever way that you're calling us to. Some of us for the first time. Some of us maybe the first time in a long time. And some of us just, maybe you're calling us to a greater obedience, faithfulness today. Whatever that looks like, Lord. Help us over the next few minutes to just receive and respond to whatever it is that you have for us uh, so that our lives might be transformed and so that we might be a part of the work that you're doing for the transformation of this world. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Our altars are gonna be open as we sing our closing song. If you wanna come pray, uh, you're welcome to do that. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'd love to pray with you. Uh, whatever that looks like, let's respond to what God's speaking to our hearts right now. Let's stand as we sing.